what a year 2020 was and what a year 2021 has turned out to be. But one thing that is consistent is that Jesus is Lord and he is resurrected. With your Bibles, I won't be before you long. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go to that portion of scripture that the Apostle Paul is writing to this church. That was founded in Corinth. And so Paul is writing as they had various things that were being discussed. And one of the things with this church was that they were also questioning the Apostle Paul's authority as an apostle. How many know that there are times in your life where people are going to question who you are? I'll speak over this side. There's going to come a moment where you're going to step out in faith and start being radical for Jesus. Start standing for a cause and people are going to say, what in the world happened to you? And so they knew Paul as one who was a murderer. They knew Paul was the one that had given permission and received permission to persecute the church. And all of a sudden now here he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And they're like, what in the world is going on? And so I'm going to read the first four verses. I encourage you in your time of study to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. But for our time together this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, we're just going to read the first four verses of this chapter. I'm reading from New Living Translation, so perhaps you may have a different translation, but that's okay. Starting from verse number one. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. That's a testimony for those who survived 2020. Come on. (laughs) You received a message from Jesus, and you still welcomed it. And you still stand firm in it. I'm going to celebrate every single one of you for standing firm in the faith. Confused, but you stood still. Concerned, but you stood still. Conflicted, but you still stood firm in it. And so Paul continues as it is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe, there it is, the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Please understand that there was a lie that was perpetrated by the religious leaders in regards to the empty tomb. Did you read that in the Bible? It was where the soldier said, we didn't fall asleep. We stayed at our posts, but the tomb is empty. And They said, we will pay you off. So if it gets back to Rome you will be secure. And the Bible says that this story has been told to this day, that people still think that the body of Christ was stolen by the disciples, or he had an hallucination, and also he woke up and was able to roll the stone away, overthrow the guards. There are so many stories out there. But Paul is writing because he understands that a lie that is empowered is dangerous. It's the most dangerous thing to believe a lie from somebody else. It's worse to believe a lie that you conjured up in your own mind. 
that's contrary to what God says, who you are, and what you are all about. And so resurrection is a reset. Someone say reset. It's an opportunity to reset your mind as you hear the message one more time. He is risen. The reset is for you to shine light that he is risen. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here that unless you believe him, that was never true in the first place. He goes on and says, I passed on to you what was most important and what also has been passed on to me. This is the Apostle Paul right now. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scriptures said. Mm. He goes on and says, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So I want to encourage you this resurrection morning to reset your mind is to go to the scriptures and to declare it is written. He is Risen. Can we clap our hands for that truth right there? See, on Sunday morning, the ladies had the boldness to perform something that they couldn't do while he was hanging on the cross, bleeding. They couldn't do the proper burial, and so they came with faith. I so appreciate ladies who have faith and who knows that I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. Come on. I'm going to love the Lord God. Amen. One lady clapping right there. I'm going to love the Lord God because he's my Savior. He's my Lord. And so while it was dark here, they were going to do what was needed. And so they get there, and the Bible says the stone had been taken away from the tomb. You see, I quote, the enemies of Christ had sealed the stone. The religious leaders told them that when he was alive, he said he was going to rise again. And so they said, unless he perpetrates this lie, I say again, when you empower a lie, you live a life of defeat. And so they decided to get not only permission to crucify him, but permission to put the Roman seal on that tomb that represent another form of authority. You must get this picture in your mind how deep the authority was. I was talking to somebody one time and I said, as they were acting out a certain way, I said, hey, who gives you the authority to do what you're doing? That's a great question for parenting, by the way. Who gives you the authority to do what you're doing? Who gave it the authority, Adam and Eve, to eat the fruit? Who gave it that authority? And so they understood the need for higher authority. And so therefore they went to Rome and it says, hey, can you not only crucify him, thank you, but can you put a seal on the stone? Therefore, if anybody has the audacity to try to do something, there's a greater level of authority. That's just God sweetening the pie. That's just God making things look like it's impossible. Don't you know that you serve a God that makes the impossible things look like? Don't you know you serve a God that makes the impossible thing look like? Don't you know there's a God that can able to say, roll back the stone with just a word? Don't you know we serve a God that says, let there be light and there was light? So I don't care what authority... There is no greater authority than God Almighty. And so, he says, all the powers of death and darkness are under the control of the God of light 
and life. And so to reset this morning on this resurrection Sunday to see the light and to know that he is risen, you must understand that God is in control of everything. There is nothing that will happen in your life that God is not in control of. I'll praise God for that in my life. There is nothing. But I love the way that Matthew writes because John just says the stone was rolled away and, and Mark writes it. But I love how Matthew says it. Matthew tells us that the angel not only rolled the stone away, the angel sat on the stone. I love that picture. I mean, just showing off. You know, just showing off, just like, you know, because here's the deal. When Jesus, right, when Jesus was going through the darkest period of his life, lining up with the will of God, and the darkest time of your life will be where your will needs to submit to God's will. That will be the darkest moment of your life because at that moment all flesh needs to be pushed aside because there are times where God would tell you something that you don't understand with your logical mind. And so here was Jesus now understood the weight that was supposed to be placed on him. And the Bible says the angel came and ministered to him. But when it came to the crucifixion, you see there was no angel anywhere that the angel says, God, can we go? And he says, no, Jesus must do this one all by himself. He must take the wind, the, excuse me, must take the sin of the world and place it on him by himself. But then, when they put him in the tomb, the angel says, can we go now? And he says, oh yeah. Because here's the deal. Jesus couldn't use his power, which he had, to move the stone away. Or the enemy would have accused him, come on, of not depending on the power of God. Come on. But now the angel came and they moved the stone and sat on it. Just to reset our minds. He sat on it. So whatever seems to be rising up in your life. God has the power to sit on it. Come on. Mm, That's for somebody right there. Just take the word and sit on it. Knowing that all power and authority belongs to God. What a display of, of great, tremendous power. You see, in the very belly of the darkness, the light began to shine anew. He was alive again. And now with indestructible life. He is risen. Jesus' death ushered in darkness, but the resurrection brought in the light. And once and for all, light has dealt the darkness its death blow. So Paul is right in 1 Corinthians 15, and he wants us to understand there are three things that I want you to walk away with this morning on this resurrection Sunday. In light, he is risen. Here are the three things that you must have for you to be effective, for you to be able to reset your mind. There's the three things that Paul writes about to the Corinthian church upon this question of the resurrection. He goes and he says, listen, Paul revels in the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. He understood that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. It is the most important truth, doctrine of the church, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
In this chapter, he does three things. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Or mentally get this. He deals first and foremost with the reality of the resurrection. He wants you to see in the light that Christ has risen, that there is a reality. There is a truth that must be believed. There is a truth that must be received. There is a truth that must be welcomed. The reality is this. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Can someone put their hands together one more time for that? Now, the reality brings people in to a gathering. The reality of his resurrection created a holiday known as Easter. The resurrection, the reality of it, is what we celebrate for over 2,000 or close to 2,000 years. It's the reality. You ask most people, yes, of course, Jesus was risen from the dead. But when the light shines, when the light of God's word shines on you, you move from just the reality of the resurrection to the theology of the resurrection. That it's not just one thing for you and I to be able to say, yes, he is risen from the dead. There is a theology. There is something that God is communicating to us that we go deeper in our faith. And number three, there is the practicality of the resurrection. How do I live it out? How do I live a life of resurrection power? Oh, my goodness. How do I live with authority to face the dark moments of my life? I need the practicality. How do I, how do I live out the resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life so people will believe he is risen? That it's not just about them reading it. It's about them seeing it in my life. And so, when we look and we live in the light of the resurrection, pastor and author Randall said, sir, says this, that the story of the resurrection should not just be relegated to Easter Sunday alone, but needs to take a prominent place within our hearts. That's my assignment for the few moments I have left. That the resurrection, the light will shine in your heart that you will see that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that he is the one to be adored. So as we take a look at the light, the question becomes is this, is the light which Christ cast upon sin only a condemning light? Some people walk into a gathering like this, or you read the word of God, and the light is shine on you because of the reality of the resurrection, and all of a sudden you feel condemned. And I want to tell you this morning, that's not the purpose of the light. The purpose of the light is not to condemn you. It is not for you just to look at the cross and to think, oh my goodness. No, the purpose of the light for the cross is so much deeper. The reason why the light of the cross and the reason why it is shining is for us to see the mercy of God. Come on. It's to see the mercy of God. That he kept me in 2020, my mind in perfect peace. When all my hair was ripped out because of all that was taking place. It was the mercy of God that's new every morning that kept me. There's one thing I want to encourage you to do. Is to always thank God for his mercy. For we were all sinners. There was none righteous. But God in his mercy 
was able to not only show his mercy, but to let us know there's a love greater than our transgressions. Can you believe that? Some of us are big time sinners. I'm talking professional sinners. Paul says, I'm the chief of all sinners. You see what I'm saying? And what God is saying in the reality of the resurrection, his love is stronger than any sin possible. Come on. Than any sin possible. That's why when I have the privilege of going to Marion Correctional Center, I see those individuals' heart has been transformed by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That when I walk in there, they're more free, come on, than some people outside of prison. Because they understood that, yeah, I made a mistake, I messed up. But there's a love that's greater than the transgression. I know for some people it's hard to swallow that. Especially the transgression was happening to you. But see, the resurrection really pardons sin. So it is in the light of the cross that gives us hope. So what is this reality, preacher, you're talking about? What is this the reality? Here's the reality. It's first and foremost, the reality is in the light of the cross. I just talked about that. It is where, and, and, and Pastor Teresa mentioned it, that the Roman centurion, when he looked up and he realized that looking in the eyes of Jesus, he came and he said, surely this man was innocent. He, cre- he, he, he caused treason. He said, I'm going to go against Rome and I'm going to declare this man is innocent. And when you and I look at the cross, come on, we're going to realize that he was sinless, spotless. Come on, without blame, this is the God that we serve. He is worthy to be praised and honored and glorified. One person said, we can be trusted. That you may not have somebody you can trust. That, that I'm going to let you down. I promise you. I will let you down in some way, some shape, some fashion. Not on purpose. But that's just because of the human nature. That you will be let down. You will be hurt. Even in church. Same way if you go to, a, to the dentist. They'll hurt you, but you still go back. Come on. First experience I had, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You're hurting me. Drilling out, I'm like, my goodness. But when we take a look at the cross, we recognize this that God wants you to see in the light of the cross that He can be trusted, that you can trust Him in the midst of a virus, you can trust Him in the midst of of a divorce. You can trust him in the midst of your child acting crazy. You can trust him in the midst of getting a pink slip. You can trust him in the midst of losing your job. You can trust him in the dark times. You can trust him because the light is shining. If you're addicted, you can trust him because he can break every addiction, every affection. He can break it. This resurrection Sunday, let him break the addiction off of your life and see looking at the cross. Hey, glory to God. He can break it. I believe he's breaking stuff this year. He's breaking things off. Because in light of the cross. So when we preach the gospel, let's not preach a condemning light. Let's preach a light passion. Let people look to the cross and see the mercy of God. Let people look and let the light shine on their sin. Then they will see the mercy of God. We must do better because we have a better way. We must proclaim the gospel of hope. Come on, church. We must do better. 
Not compromise. No way. That's not helping anybody. But when they look at the cross, they must see the compassion and the mercy and the love of God. Where they come to a cross and they bow down and they say, God, thank you for your gift of life to me. Perhaps you have never done that. And this is not your first Resurrection Sunday. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you this. I don't know what you've been told before, but the light that shines on the cross is not a condemning light. It is a light that brings truth to the depth of your soul that needs it to survive. It's also in the light of the empty tomb. So the reality is not just in the cross. The reality is also in light of an empty tomb. Yes, it's empty. I love the story in John chapter 20. I'll go real quick in John chapter 20. I love this, that the ladies came back and they said, he is risen. And so Peter takes off. Peter is running. One of the apostles, he's running. And so John also, one of the apostles as well, he's younger. He outruns Peter. And so Peter's running. It's like when Blade and I go to work out. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so he's younger than me, but, but, but I got some maturity. Praise God. And so, so John gets there before Peter. He doesn't go in though. So he believes in the reality of the cross. He saw the crucifixion. And when he heard that, that Jesus was resurrected, he runs. He runs in the reality of the cross. He runs, but he gets to the tomb and he stops. And many of us, we have looked at the reality of the cross and now all of a sudden something stirred inside of you to run to hear this good news, but you run to the tomb and you stop. You don't go any further. You stop. You look in, but you stop. But here comes Peter, finally catches up. Hold on, Blaine. Finally catches up. And Peter now steps in. Come on. Peter steps in and sees the reality of an empty tomb. And then John says, now it's safe to come in. And I'm here to tell you, we need a generation, come on, that don't give up. There is a generation that needs to run because there's a generation before us that they're coming to the tomb and they're saying everything I've heard is not true. But we need another generation that says, yes, it is true. And I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to step into the reality of the empty tomb. I want to encourage you this morning. Step into the empty tomb. Don't just be the reality of the cross. Step into the empty tomb. He is not there. He is risen. He is risen. He goes inside. Also, this is where you come in. Yes, you got a part to play in the reality of the resurrection. I didn't know that. Yes. When you gave your heart to Jesus, if no one told you of a part to play, they withheld vital information from you. <laughs> Information that's critical to your thriving in your life. You have a part to play. I don't know about you, but I love being on a team. Because I want to make a contribution. I love it. I love being on a team. And so what he's saying is this, is not only the reality is the cross, not only is the reality the empty tomb, the reality is in the light of the witnesses. For Paul writes, he says, he was seen by Peter and by the twelve. If that's not enough, he was also seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, someone say last of all. Come on. Last of all, as though I had been one born at the wrong time, I also saw him. The reality of the light of you being a witness. If you're on trial for being a follower of Jesus Christ, with the being of evidence 
to find you guilty. Mm. That you are a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not to condemn you, but to let you know you have a part to play in this. That you are a witness of the power of the resurrection. Because Paul is saying, do you understand I was committed to sinning? (laughs) I'm amazed how in my whole life I was committed to reggae music. I was committed to sinning. I was a great sinner. So I thought once I got saved, I want to be a great Christian. It just made sense to me. But I needed the power of a resurrection. I couldn't do it on my own because every time I made a mistake, the guilt will consume me. But when I realized, no, step into the tomb and then go and tell people, hey, I've been to the tomb. It's empty. My life started to change and your life will change as well. When you understand and embrace, you are part of the team. Someone say I'm part of the team. And that's why TGP, it's not a slogan for us doing life together. It's literally something I'll give my life for. I will give my life for us doing life together. That it is messy, but we got a cross. There are confusion, but we have a cross. Come on. And whenever we don't agree, we go to the cross. Come on, somebody. Because you can't, come on, you can't go to the cross where everybody is equal. Come on, somebody. We go to the cross where we witness the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. It's at the cross I find patience. It's at the cross I find joy. It's at the cross I find hope. It's at the cross I give you space to be who God has made you to be. You see, life is challenging. Life is challenging, and so we have to do it. The second thing is the theology of it now, the theology of it. So now that because you have the reality and you are a witness, and so watch with me now. I said first it was the cross, and so you realize the cross, and it's shining on, uh, and it's shining. You realize, okay, it's not condemning. It's inviting. It's giving me my pardon. It's greater than any trans, uh, transgression that I have. And then I move it to this place of, of realizing that the empty tomb, and, and I realize that, and I step in, and I see the evidence neatly folded. That's how God is. He does things in perfection. And now I come out of the tomb, and I'm a witness now. And so all of a sudden, what do I say about the resurrection? What do I say about it? And the first thing you have to understand is that Paul writes now, and Paul says the resurrection is foundational to your Christian faith. Ready? For the preaching and for the building of your faith. If Christ didn't come and die and rise again, then we would have no hope of redemption. So Paul says this. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless And your faith is useless. So in other words, he's saying that the reason why you preach the gospel is because you have a message to preach. You have something to say. Some people are talking, they have nothing to say. Come on. It's just sound bites. Burn their mouth. But when you and I preach, we know that the words that we preach are powerful. Please understand, you can walk into an environment and declare the peace of God over that environment. Come on. And that environment must bow to who you are because nothing can conquer death, hell, and the grave because Jesus conquered it. Come on. And so therefore, when you preach, you preach power. You parent power. You run a business with power. You go to school with power. You get dressed with power. Someone said the word power. Come on, power. 
power. That's the resurrection. That's the mindset is that now you have power. So when I tell you are powerful, I'm not just trying to motivate you. I'm trying to get you the theology of who you really are. Is that you have power. And that's what God wants you to know. You're preaching. But pastor, I don't know what to say. Just tell him your testimony, baby. Come on. Just tell him your testimony. I don't have the eloquent word. It's okay. Just give them your testimony. Come on. You just let them know. Come on. By the grace and the mercy of God, he keeps me. Just tell your testimony. That's all. Because the Bible says, ready for this? They overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their. Some of y'all need to keep and stop. Be in silent. What I mean is you got to open up your mouth. Don't be intimidated by the devil. Open up your mouth and say, Jesus, thank you. When people say, how come you look different? Tell them because Jesus Christ has done a work in my life. Preaching faith. Amen. Preaching faith. You see the theology. I'll, I'll just talk about myself right now because... Because when I got saved, I may have shared this testimony, but, but the guys I ran with, they were real heat. I mean, the guys I ran with were like, like just like professional sinners. I told you the story that my groomsman was in the front page for armed robbery. I'm like, babe, we got to get another one. I'm telling you, man, his car stereo was worth more than my whole car. And when I got saved, I'm like, I can't go see them at 7-Eleven. There's no way. They're going to crucify me. So I spent two weeks up in my chambers. Come on. And I said, God, the reality needs to become theology. My reality needs to become theology. And I walked down there and I was like, hey, um, I'm a believer now. And they're like, ah, oh, we'll see you at the next club. We'll see you next house party. And a week went by, and two weeks went by, and three weeks went by. Like, where's Ro? He ain't coming anymore. He's not coming anymore. And I'll never forget when I had a 40 and slip, and, and, and I went, <laughs> and I was missing the party. And I remember I went, and I, and that's what people call it, you know what I mean? Actually, it's Sid, right? So I'm going. And um, I go to the club, and I'm going downstairs, and one of the guys down there, he goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm coming to to party. (laughs) And he says, you better get out of here. So you don't belong in here anymore. You don't belong here anymore. We've watched you. You don't belong here anymore. You preach the message of faith to us. And it transformed them. One another friend, I saw him in the hallway, in the stairway, excuse me, and he was just drunk. And I'm looking at him. He goes, leave. I said, goes, just leave. He says, I don't want you to see me like this. I'm telling you right now, when you live by the power of the resurrection, you don't have to say a word. People will recognize the God inside of you and will start to say, you know what? I know who you are now. I don't want to try to pull you down. I want you to pull me up. Pull me up by the power of the resurrection. The theology, don't just have the reality, but have the theology of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Good God Almighty, somebody's waiting for you to be the best sermon ever. 
I only got 45 minutes, but you got a lifetime to be a witness of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not everybody's intimidated by the gospel. Some people want to hear the gospel. I need help. Don't let the enemy lie to you. So the theology is this. If there's no resurrection, we're still guilty of sin. And in verse 17, he says that. But I love Romans 8, 11. Go, go there real quick. Romans 8, 11. It's a good place to turn to in your Bible. Because this is theology 101 Embrace. This is theology engulfed. This is the scripture you need to write. You need to put it on your mirror with lipstick or a marker. Children don't do it. Amen. Because you may get in trouble. Just tell them it's scripture and it should be okay. Amen, somebody. I can't guarantee your safety if you do that, but I think it's going to be okay. So Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. Is that up there? Are they getting up there? Yeah. yeah. The Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead. It says, lives in you. Oh, I have to. That's because I'm Pentecostal. I have to take a praise break right there. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that told death, hell, the grave, and Satan to get out of the way, lives in me, my God. I've got to take a praise break. And I know I'm not the only one. I know you dress nice in your Sunday best on resurrection, but you've got to get undignified and realize who lives inside of you. Jesus, the resurrection lives inside of me. Oh, God Almighty. Woo! So you are not defeated. Come on, you're not defeated. And so how do we how do we live this thing out from a practical perspective? My last point is this. How do we live this out? Okay, okay, preacher, it's great. I see the reality of the resurrection. And many of us in this place, many of us across this place and watching online, we believe in the reality of the resurrection. We believe it. And some of us are going deeper this morning. You're not going to realize, I'm going to open my mouth from now on. I'm going to tell my testimony. I'm not going to live in shame and guilt anymore. I'm going to be bold in my faith, knowing that it's Jesus Christ, the righteous one who lives inside of me. I've got this theology down now, God. I get it. But how do I actually walk it out? How do I live in the light of the resurrection? So Paul Goes on and he ends and he says this in 1 Corinthians 15. Go back there, verse 57. And he says this. I love these first three words from the New Living Translation. But thank God. Oh, come on. Can we get that? that yeah, there it is. But thank God. Jesus is risen. Come on. He goes on and he says, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my brothers and sisters, that he began in verse number one and two. Be strong in 2021. Come on. Be strong. It is going to get rough. What you saying, preacher? I thought it was rough. You ain't seen nothing yet. I love one preacher says, Gabriel is licking his lips. We're to blow that trumpet. Come on. 
And he's saying, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically. Always work with enthusiasm. Always work with a zeal, a fervent for the Lord. What's the cause that God has put on your heart? What is the cause that God has put on your heart that will bring about righteousness? It will expand the kingdom of God and it will make this nation better. Come on. Like David, isn't there a cause? The resurrection opens you up to finding a cause that you're going to spend the rest of your life in. Because you realize now that this is the key because God has given you the victory. And you're going to be strong. You see, I love passion. I do. It's my strength, but it's also a weakness. I remember when, when, uh, when Megan was, uh, she made that, that, that statement, you know, I want to be a healthy 50. And she said that. And, and uh, she's like, I want to be healthy in every year of my life. And so they were talking about physical as well. And, and Danny said, well, what about Tennille? And Megan's like, oh, yeah. I said, maybe, maybe she could just, you know, train me and everything like that. And so they get in this meeting, and they invite me to the meeting. Probably the first mistake they made. They invited me to the meeting. And I said, well, why don't we open up to more people? I hear and I see your passion. Why don't we open up to more people? Come on. And because of one person's passion, there's a community of ladies, come on, that are coming together to be their best. Coming together to practically find a way. How can I live out this power of resurrection in my life? And so whenever I hear passion, I bite onto it. And this Resurrection Sunday, I want you to know this. There's a cause and there's a cost. There's a cause and there's a cost. There's a cause and there's a cost. And it's very important that we understand that in the light of the resurrection, those two things come together and it's called deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. How do I pick up my cross? What's the practical things? Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And here are the four areas and worship team, come on up. Here are the four areas that I believe in 2021. For those who have reset, for those who realize the reality of the resurrection, amen. Someone say amen. Thank you, Jesus. The reality of the resurrection, yes. Yes, yes, yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. But now it's the theology of it. Because I want my preaching now and my life of faith to take on a measure of where I have, say with me, influence. It's a good word. It's called influence. And where we are going as a church is this, that the reason why we exist, the essence of why we exist is to serve people, to demonstrate faith, and to see lives transformed by the Spirit of God. We don't do it. God does it. That's why we give you space, come on, for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And so correction comes as a means of growth, not a means of holding you down. And that's why we exist as the church. 
But where God is moving us now, he says, that's, that's your expression. But where God is moving us now is to live in light of the resurrection, given what 2020 was, given what 2020 wants becoming, and given what's to come and to navigate things through. Here is the assignment from God this resurrection Sunday. The assignment is this, that when we live out in the power of the resurrection, we will make disciples... God will fulfill our dreams. Some of you need to dream again. Some of you need to dream again. Come on. Some of you need to dream. You got saved and you left your dreams. And you're afraid to dream because you think it's worldly. You're afraid to dream because perhaps someone told you your dream had no value. The devil is a liar. Whenever you believe a lie, you empower the liar. The devil is a liar. Dream again, TGP. And those who are watching me, dream again. Thank God, David. Thank God, Joseph. Thank God, Moses. Come on. Thank God, Isaiah. We're all people. Who didn't let people talk them out of what God had for them. Here are the four areas that God is looking for. Because these four areas where we not only make disciples. We not only see our dreams fulfilled. But we now advance the kingdom of God. It is simple but not easy. To transform this nation. There is no earthly formula that will do it. Because you're going against spiritual things. You may get people to see the reality, but they'll miss the theology. And where there is a miss in theology, you can never practically walk it out because a belief always trumps a behavior. And so what they're saying here is this. These are the four places. And this came from the right of the book, Living in the Light of the Resurrection. The first one is your attitudes. Living in the light of the resurrection has to affect your attitude. Let the light in. Number two, your actions. Let the light in. Number three, your aspirations. Let the light in. And number four, your apologetics. How to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5 verse 14 is the last text. Before these anointed singers lead us into a launch. And I invite for those who need to make a decision to see the reality. To see the theology and to also see the practicality. Of the resurrection. My last scripture is Ephesians 5 verse 14. If we can get on the screen. If not, I'll read it for you. It says this. For the light makes everything visible. How do we keep our hearts tender and receptive to the resurrection and to its paradigm shift that informs how we live day to day? For the light makes everything visible. The light, he is risen. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Therefore, open up the window of your soul and let the light in.